There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Let's draw some thoughts together today around issues that we might know from the biblical context as an understanding of idolatry and ideas around freedom where we might be able to look back through the corridors of history and see where even people like the Caesars called themselves gods to be worshipped by the people. And those ideas that we would be able to glean from Scripture where we're not to idolize anyone or anything above our Creator, the God of heaven and earth. Uh, Bill Muhlenberg's been thinking through some issues like that this week. He's written an article called, Who is King? Christ or Caesar? Bill Muhlenberg, welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Interestingly, Bill, when we've got Jesus himself in a conversation with the likes of Pontius Pilate before the crucifixion, there comes some very deep truths that illustrate the way we're to conduct ourselves before God and before the state. Give us your thoughts on what you've been writing about this week. Yeah, well, this comes out of several things uh, in general. Um, Let me rub this in a bit, but while you guys up in Queensland are hitting the beaches, going to cafes, doing whatever you want, uh, us poor Victorians, we're still in lockdown. Uh, Basically, almost all of uh, 2020 in one form or another, we've been in lockdown. So, yeah, I've been writing a lot. Bill, Um, I promise you have our sympathy. (laughs) And uh, we think of you every time we're sipping on that nice, cool drink at the beach. I'm sure you are. Thank you. So, yeah, I've written a lot and thought a lot about things like government, uh, the state, how, uh, you know, how far believers go in terms of uh, obedience to the state. So that's been the thought of a lot of pieces this year, obviously. But uh, the second thing was reading through uh, the Gospels again, finishing John just the other day. Uh, Obviously, all the Gospels speak a lot to the kingdom of God. So as you mentioned, with Pontius Pilate, with Caesar, with Jesus, you got really a clash of kingdoms, a clash of kings. And uh, the word king itself is found at least a dozen times in the last couple of chapters of John. So it's a real big issue for the writer in terms of, you know, who is the real king? Which king do we worship? In fact, we have that confrontation, remember, where he says, uh, well, you wouldn't have any authority to do this or that. I've got, I can command my soldiers to do this. And Jesus responds to Pilate, you wouldn't have any authority at all, but weren't for the fact that God in heaven gave you that authority. So uh, that point right there, along with our other key texts like Romans 13, tells us that government, civic government, is uh, delegated authority. It's not absolute, uh, generally speaking. Yes, we obey and follow our states, 
but it is not absolute, and it's authority delegated by God, and when it gets out of whack, out of line, or goes against God, then there's even times for believers to go against the state. Talking about the Bible here, Bill, whenever there is a king, as you say, we're recognizing authority delegated by God. But history would show us that kings, whether it's the Caesars of the Roman Empire or kings in any sort of context who don't acknowledge God, become themselves their own mini divine being. They put themselves in the position of God and above any laws. Uh, This is something that has been a theme right from Old Testament times and we can see it in the present day. Yeah, well, quite right. And that piece we're discussing, I, of course, go back 2,000 years ago to Caesar and, uh, as we said, Pilate and these clashes, these power clashes, if you will, and Jesus speaking truth to power. In a related piece this past week, I did on, uh, look well, looking at Germany uh, last century. As you say, what we're going through now with the COVID restrictions and, you know, a lot of loss of freedom, uh, as we've said many times now, we have to weigh up in the balance uh, how much freedom is a good thing to be lost or restricted in the interest of public health and safety, or have governments gone overboard? Have they gone way too far? in increasing for themselves a whole lot more power while taking away individual rights and freedoms. So, yeah, again, COVID uh, has led to my thoughts on that related piece and uh, the issue of how far believers go in this whole area. Um, you know, the the German parallel, while well, you always want to be careful whenever you speak of Nazi Germany, it is nonetheless quite almost scary when you do read about how, certainly in the 20s and 30s, uh, probably the most civilized nation on earth, a democratic nation, uh, how Germany, step by step, bit by bit, turned into, of course, this horrible diabolical dictatorship under Hitler and the Nazis. How did that happen? So in that second piece, I actually provide a historical timeline, look at the various uh, often, you know, legal and democratic steps that were taken to slowly but surely get rid of democracy, get rid of rule of law. Uh, There is something called the Enabling Act in 1933, for example, which really Well, it's kind of like much of our emergency powers today that we see Dan Andrews using in Victoria. We need these special emergency powers to deal with the crisis. And as a result, we can clamp down on your freedoms. We can take away your freedoms, but it's for your own good. And that was basically the line used in 1933, and various freedoms were done away with. Just as today, we're having a hard time seeing a properly functioning Parliament in um, Victoria, well, the parliament there, the Reichstag, uh, that too underwent bit by bit changes where freedoms were taken away. So as I've said so many times now, we have to learn from the lessons of history. We have to be aware of what's happened in the past, if for no other reason that we don't repeat its mistakes. So we're always cautious about the idea of emergency powers because that puts the usual tested processes aside and gives someone more power than they deserve. And so 
Here we are, Bill. Uh, as Australians, we tend to think of ourselves as patriotic. And when it comes to elections and governments who are leading us, we like to take sides. We like to know that the person that we've voted for actually has the power to lead and govern a state or a nation. But there is a sense here, and take us back to some biblical times, for the children of Israel, early days Old Testament, God alone was Israel's king. God resisted the idea that they should appoint their own human king, but there was real power in the idea that God was seen as king and his law was the thing that kept everybody in line. Yeah, well, that's a whole discussion, a very good point. In fact, we could do some sessions on this. You often get Christians saying that, you know, a king was never God's idea. It's always a bad idea. Well, anarchists, for one, will try to run with this line that, you know, all government is always bad. But even a lot of well-meaning Christians seem to have the idea that God never intended that Israel should have a king. Well, the biblical data in the Old Testament is a little bit more uh, complex than that. Sure, when we read about how Saul was first appointed, and you know, we read about Samuel saying, you guys have rejected God, effectively God's saying it. It wasn't so much that having a king was wrong is the question of how the king was appointed and who the king was. And of course, we know Saul turned out to be a real uh, dud later on, big time. But if you go back earlier, say the book of Deuteronomy, Moses already was giving uh, instruction on how a king would and should rule. So you already had provision uh, a long time before Saul uh, about how Israel might one day be led in a kind of monarchy situation with the king. So it's, it's at best, a kind of a ambiguous data in the Old Testament. You get some clear warnings about how God is being shoved aside in Israel's clamor for a king, because it says they wanted to be like all the other nations. But on the other hand, you have some passages about how God, uh, you know, had uh, plans for it. So at best, we can see that God uses delegated uh, authority. He used the judges, of course, before the kings and the monarchy. And uh, he does use the state today to, uh, well, in a fallen sinful world, to restrain evil, to punish evil. So there's a place, obviously, for the state. But as always, in a fallen world, Government power can be corrupted, just like all power can be corrupted. So again, Christians need to think both biblically and historically about how all this fits in and how we should respond to the state. And so in the Old Testament, where the king was appointed, and we start with Saul and we go through a succession of kings, and some of those good, most of them bad, Mm -hmm. and where the king displaces God... Uh, then chaos reigns because you have an elevation of a person to a position of dictatorship where they typically become tyrants. How do we then transfer our own thinking into modern-day Australia? Here we are, Aussies. We have a democracy. As Christian believers, we want to say Jesus is Lord and Christ, and he is king. So how does that context, do you think, work in our modern Australia? Yeah, well, we have to make it practical, don't we? We do have uh, still coming up uh, the 
Queensland state election and, of course, the big American election just after that. So we do need to think biblically about this. What do these principles, how do they translate into practical help for Christians as they think about who to vote for? Uh, interesting, my wife just moments ago came up to me with a, a question. She had this pamphlet. We have these local uh, council elections that you have to vote in. And we got sent a thing with just saying there's two. There's only two candidates in our local council. One is a longstanding labor guy, and we're, well, <laughs> trying to tell you listeners who to vote for, but we're not necessarily fans of labor for all kinds of reasons. And then the other candidate was some new unheard of female uh, independent. So there's no lib, there's nobody else. So all we could do is try to do a quick search on her. We're not too keen at voting for labor, but we don't really know much about her. She's some wild-eyed greenie as well, or somebody can be just as radical. So it's the same here. In Queensland, you've got a few choices. None are perfect. Uh, a lot of people are saying in America, you know, I don't like Biden, I don't like Trump. So you keep hearing about, you know, is it right to even choose between the lesser of two evils? Well, in a fallen world, that's about all you're going to get. You're going to get less than perfect candidates for any election. So taking these biblical principles, vital ones, you know, righteousness exalts a nation and so on, how do you translate those broad key principles about how godly values and principles do sustain a nation and ungodly and unrighteous principles will wreck a nation? How does that translate into who I vote for in Queensland next week or in America in the week after? So, yeah, practical stuff. Uh, we got to fit it all together and think and pray a lot to try to get some answers. So those principles, as we take them in, as we understand the Bible, as we walk a Christian walk, perhaps daily devotions, uh, reading of God's Word, uh, understanding that there are authors who can help to identify what those principles are and allowing those things to permeate our lives so much that we vote according to our conscience and when we vote according to our conscience, according to the platforms that are before us on whichever side of politics, we help to contain what might be wrong and we help to exalt what might be right according to the way that we're able to see what is right and wrong before God when we're casting our vote. Uh, Bill, always such good insights and I'll point people to these articles that you've been writing this week, the one we've been talking about today, Who is King, Christ or Caesar? And what does that mean for us here in modern Australia? Uh, Bill, uh, other ones you've been writing to, I'll point people to your website, BillMuhlenberg.com or simply Google Culture Watch One Word. Bill, great uh, thoughts once again. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.